This podcast was produced on Ghana Yurta. We respect First Nations people around Australia and acknowledge the Ghana people as the traditional custodians of the Adelaide Plains, where the Festival Centre is located. We honour their spiritual relationship with their country and we do so in the spirit of reconciliation. I think the great thing about this collection is it, it looks at amateur, it looks at professional, it looks at artists, it looks at creatives. And I think it's, you know, a story that, you know, every South Australian should be really, really proud of. And I, th I think everybody can sort of see themselves somewhere in this collection or have some connection to it. Hey, Libby O'Donovan here. Welcome to the First 50 podcast a 50th anniversary celebration of the Adelaide Festival Centre, the home of performing arts in South Australia. This magical venue, which I've had the delight of performing in over the last 25 years, has housed some historical moments and many of my fellow incredible artists. Have you ever stopped to consider why we collect things? Are you the kind of person who holds on to ticket stubs of every performance you've ever been to see? Or perhaps you wait by the stage doors and collect signatures of stars you admire. I know I've got a lot of costumes that I've worn throughout the years, and ones from as far back as my very first cabaret show that I ever did. Whether we collect things that make us happy, things that prove our passions, or things that carry our memories, Every collection tells a story, a story about who we are and what we hold dear. The story of the Adelaide Festival Centre is told by a collection of items that grew from two small boxes of programs to a carefully curated kaleidoscope of costumes, photographs, props, paintings, decor, tickets, posters, fake moustaches and more. The Performing Arts Collection was founded in 1979 by Premier Don Dunstan and was the first of its kind in Australia. Today it houses well over 100,000 individual pieces of history. Joining me today are two women who have each played a role in maintaining and growing this collection. Jo Peoples, who was there at the very beginning, and Helen Trepper, who is the collection's current coordinator. Together, we're delving deep into the Performing Arts Collection, uncovering the artefacts at the core of this archive, how they tell the story of the Adelaide Festival Centre, and what, if anything, they can show us about the future of the South Australian stage. Now, I'd love to start with you, Joe. I want to find out, how did you get interested in the performing arts as a child? My family, my father was very interested in the performing arts. He'd been um, an amateur actor and was one of three people that started the Broken Hill Repertory Society up there. And I can remember when, we were, when I was about eight, uh, mum and dad took us to see a production of uh, Salad Days in the old Crystal Theatre. Yes. And it had Noel Ferrier and Muriel Pavlov and it was just almost a bare set with an upright piano. And I can still see it to this day. Noel Ferrier sitting at the piano saying, we're looking for a piano, a piano, a piano, we're looking. And luckily I was introduced to the performing arts at a very young age and I was just enchanted from then on. 
Yeah, there's something about, I mean, you said before you, you've you never forgotten it and you can still see it to this day. There is something that's, that is so incredibly ingrained in us and in our memories that feels like it encapsulates all of our senses yeah. when we have those memories about performing arts. That's right. And so when I was in Broken Hill, I did some acting with the Broken Hill Repertory Society. And then when I came down here, I joined the University Theatre Guild with uh, Jim Villay. And uh, Jim Villay was the drama lecturer at Adelaide University. And he set up his own um, ensemble that he wanted to work with for four years, which was terrific. So yeah. we got to do, you know, maybe one play you'd do, you'd be the lead, another play you'd be a walk-on, another play you'd be a you know, secondary role. And it was fabulous training. And we did workshops every Monday night. So I was, you know, entranced from then on. It is very much that you you get the bug early and then it never leaves you. It never leaves you. What about you, Helen? How did you first become interested in in the arts? Well, always been. I actually wanted to become an art curator when I oh, first amazing. went to university, but then found museums, and I was really interested in how museums and collections work. And then when I came to the Adelaide Festival Centre. I was actually really, really wanted to know how things were stored and wanted to get in touch with costumes. And then it was learning about all these costumes and stuff where I fell, really fell in love with theatre. And I'm learning about opera, still learning about opera, yes. um, music, theatre, and re- literally, you know, all the genres. Yeah. I mean, the, the performing arts collection here at the Adelaide Festival Centre has, I wrote them down, all of the categories. There's drama, which according to the website is the most extensive collection. Yeah, it's the biggest with costumes. Yeah, programs, photographs, stage models. Set designs, set designs, everything. Everything. And opera, music, music theatre, amateur theatre, designers with costumes and sets, dance and theatre decor and design. Yeah, Yeah, so... Circus, circus and fun. film. Film, yes. Which I don't know how that quite got into the performing arts. Well, it's, on the per- it's a performing arts. It's a performing art, absolutely. Oh, it's so fabulous. So we fast forward to 1973, the Adelaide Festival Centre is opened officially and then by 1979 there is a performing arts collection officially established here which you were a part of. Can you tell us a bit about how that, how that came about what was important about having a collection and, uh, you know, what it was like in those early days? Was, yeah, well, due to Colin Ballantyne, really, at that stage, who had worked in the amateur theatre back in the 30s and 40s because there was no professional theatre in Adelaide at that state. There was no state theatre company. And he was a theatre photographer and he also was a director mm. and producer and did some amazing work. And Colin had this idea of setting up a performing arts collection to preserve the history in South Australia, which was so important. And Colin was fairly influential in the arts and he was a friend and had a great relationship with Don Dunstan. So he got in Don's ear, I think, and Don... And just before Don resigned, they made a state collection under the, at that stage, at the auspices of the State Theatre Company. But we were a separate organisation and we had a separate venue. And then in 1975, 
we moved under the Adelaide Festival Centre Trust. It was still owned by the government, but they gave it to the trust to, to manage. How did you become involved? You were around, obviously, at that time, but... Well, look, it was absolute serendipity. What luck! <laughs> <laughs> I was working with, at that stage with Jim Vilay at the University Theatre Guild, and there was another guy called Tom Dermody. He used to go, I think he did the workshops. And I went to a workshop one night and Jim said to me, oh, have you heard about Tom's new job? And I said, no, what? He said, oh, he's got this job as project officer for this performing arts collection they're setting up and they want a secretary and we think you'd be perfect for the job. I said, oh, really? Yeah, that'd be great. So off I went to the State Theatre Company the next day and saw Josie Darling, who was the business manager, and she said, when can you start? So off, off I went in this funny little office over at Kent Town. We started off in there. We had two rooms, and I think Colin had two boxes of programs he'd collected, <laughs> and that's what we started <laughs> off with. So and, started um, with a box of programs, the yeah. whole collection? Two boxes of programs. That's, right. that's about all we had. And then we gradually, you know, added to it, got things and spoke to State Theatre Company and they had a few costumes, you know, and so it it went on. It's amazing to think that amongst all the hats and photographs and tissue-wrapped dresses of the Performing Arts Collection are the two boxes stacked with programmes and flyers of bygone performances that started it all. But of course, the collection is more than a boxed-up archive of theatre legends and stories of the stage. One of the important tasks you take on as a custodian of the collection is the curation and design of exhibitions that provide the public with a glimpse into this important aspect of our arts and culture history. And with well over 100,000 items, I want to know, how did Joe and Helen even begin to choose? When was the first public exhibition? Oh, I think one of the first exhibitions, <laughs> this was really funny, we'd outgrown the two offices in this building in Kent Town and we moved into Beulah Road at Norwood, that old church hall there. Oh, yes. Where theatre bugs are yes, now. Yes, yeah. And we decided we'd do an exhibition on Barry Humphreys, on his costumes, because we knew Melbourne had all his costumes. And by then, I think Peter Gers had come in to work with me for a couple of years. I said to Peter, oh, we should get Barry over with the exhibition, you know, that'd be terrific and he can open it, you know. And so we organised that and Barry said, yeah, yeah, he'd come over. I said to Peter... Well, he's used to flying business class. We'd better buy him a business class airfare. You know, well, I think at that stage it was $2,000, which was practically a whole budget. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we bought him a business class airfare. And Peter got one of his friends, Rob Kazenza, to dress up as a chauffeur in this (laughs) old Mercedes Benz. And I think we got a police escort and we got picked Barry up at the airport and brought him to this church hall. You should have seen his face when he walked in. <laughs> you know, this is where my costumes are going to be. Anyway, he helped us set up the costumes. 
which was terrific. And it's really fitting because right now, of course, there's the Barry Humphreys uh, yes. exhibition that's here, right here in the Adelaide Festival Centre in the gallery. Which is fabulous. Yeah, it is. It's really fabulous. Helen, I'd love to talk to you about putting together a collection for exhibition for the public. What kinds of things do you do you look at and look for? Well, I guess we sort of start off with a theme for the exhibition. So, gosh, we've done such different exhibitions, what people water opening nights, Oedipus, dance, you know, exhibitions. We've done the whole gamut. So I guess, you know, what what are good objects to put on display? What tells a good story? We used to, you know, we go and interview people who have donated stuff or, you know, might they might like to donate stuff that have got a good story. You know, actors and also creatives, we, you know, talk to both of them, collect both sides of, you know, what happens on the stage. So it, there's so much you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to speak to you about, I mean, from what you said, you were interested always in collecting and in having a look at artefacts and mm. and sort of respecting them in that sense that mm. they're collected and then they're shown as works of art and they really do paint a picture of the history of any place. What's What got you interested in, in coming here to the Adelaide Festival Centre and how does it differ from the other collection that you've been involved in? So I worked at the Australian National Maritime Museum for a, quite a while as the immigration curator, which is a really, really different job, yes. telling the story of people who have come to Australia by boat, literally, you know, after Second World War through to, you know, the Vietnamese boat people and stuff like that. So then coming to the Performing Arts Collection was a completely yeah. different type of history to tell. Yeah. How do you choose what goes into a collection? I mean, just say there's a performance that happens, a musical that might happen here at the Festival Centre, for example. What sorts of things do you always make sure you collect? And then how do you get the other more unique bits and pieces like costumes or someone's wig or a prop or so with the home companies we have a really good relationship with them and usually when there's an artistic director there so like with ADT when Gary Stewart left he was so kind and donated significant costumes from his period in fact we have nearly something from all the artistic directors from the Australian Dance Theatre State Theatre Company have always been really generous yeah. from day one and, in fact, they're going to donate some stuff in the next few weeks. So we have those ongoing relationships mm. and I think that it's important to us to have them but it's also, I think, important for that institution to know that we have them because we have them forever. Yes. Mm. And then individuals will find us in all sorts of ways and say, you know, we in fact, it was another Barry Humphreys, a lady saw that we had some Barry Humphreys stuff on display and she rang up and she's got her jumper that, you know, she wore in the 80s of Barry Humphreys with his face on it. So people sort of find us as yeah. well and, you know, offer objects for collections too. And now, because of since Joe's work, we actually have a really, really good comprehensive collection and now where it's 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 a matter of sort of filling gaps and sort of moving forward, like what else do we want to collect? How yeah. do we tell the picture of South Australian performing arts more fully? Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I guess when it started, Joe, it's it was two boxes of programs and then you make it up from there. And well, I think now we have nearly 40,000 event files from two boxes of programs. <laughs> What did you think, Joe? Like, what what did you think was important to collect when it very first started? Were you passionate about certain things that needed to be kept? Most things, you know. Right. Yeah. And because 
Colin had worked in the amateur theatre as well. Yeah. He felt it was important to collect the amateur theatre because from the amateur theatre, you know, the professional theatre grows. Yes, true. Which is, yeah. I, I think, really important too. And it is so important. I mean, there's so many things that are collected, like from stubs to programs to costumes to props and everything in between. And particularly when we see, say, old photographs, like I know that in the archives here for example there's photos of the very first production that was here of I think it was Winnie the Pooh Noni Hazelhurst is in oh, a that was the first musical uh, first, first musical, musical. Yeah. yeah and Noni Hazelhurst mm. who is a you know household Australian mm. name now we can look back on this photograph of her from when the festival centre first opened in a bear costume as a young performer that's right doing something it's so great to have that and then you, you just imagine you collect something from that and then it's really what what an invaluable yes. collection to have. What are some of the most unusual things that you've got in the collection or had in the collection, Joe, in your time and then Helen since 2014 when you became director? It reminded me the other night when I went to the opening of your exhibition, which is terrific, the then and now oh, theatres. Adelaide Theatres. Adelaide Theatres in the gallery at Her Majesty yes. of the Cake Knife. Oh, so that was Her Majesty's Theatre was originally the Princess Theatre in yeah. 1912 and it was the ceremonial, actually it was a turning of the sod, you know, oh, when they yes, turn the first the thing. But that's it, right. The trowel. The trowel, that's the trowel. exactly it. The tr- it's so interesting. Yeah. And then the, the, the comedy and drama masks from the old Theatre Royal. Royal. Mm. Yes. That were out front there. Yeah, you know, that's things right. like that. And and what about Judith Sitwell's jewellery? That's Dame Judith Sitwell's jewellery as well. Yeah. Fantastic. And Judith Anderson's costumes, Dame Judith Anderson. That's a really nice story too. Oh, yes, Dame Judith Anderson, because she was born in Adelaide and then she went off to America and made a name there and she worked with Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, and did that movie, Rebecca. Rebecca. You know, and she became really famous and then she was living in Southern California and I found out where she lived <laughs> and I thought, I'll write her a letter and see if she's got a few costumes she might throw our way. So I wrote her a letter and time passed. And about six weeks later, this post bag turned up and I opened it and there were three costumes in there that she'd packed us up and she'd handwritten this letter saying, wow. oh, thank you very much for the lovely Adelaide's got a special place in my heart. I'd love you to have these three costumes. And then later when we did research on the costumes, because remember when Joe started as a curator, you know, the internet, the, you know, you couldn't Google things. No, like Joe, no. you know, we had all these, remember these books and books and That's books, right. like shelves and shelves of books and you had to, you know, check everything. And then we were doing an exhibition for the Dame Judith Anderson costumes and there was a label in one of them and I went, oh. Oh, that's right. It's by Val- Valentina. Valentina. Wow. Who used to do uh, Greta Garbo's yes. dresses. She's huge. So Joe didn't even know that when she <laughs> acquired no, them. No. And then the other one we found out later was Jean Paul, who That's designed right. yeah. Marilyn Monroe's uh, Happy Birthday, Mr. President dress. And again, it was not until, you know, we could actually Google and search these things that we realised how important and significant and how couture these dresses that she just put in a plastic bag and and sort of sent over. 
It's at this stage in our conversation that several large boxes are brought out and the lids are carefully prized off to reveal some of the most beautifully crafted dresses that once belonged to South Australia's own Dame Judith Anderson. Immediately, we stop to marvel at the couture designs. Oh, well, we do Drum have a, a box here that looks as though it's a costume box. This is Dame Judith's costumes. Beautifully folded. <laughs> Dame Judith Anderson was such a beautiful, stoic, wooden woman, wasn't she? Oh, and yeah. she And these used to fit her like a glove. You know, these actresses would go to these haute couture designers to get them to design their their costumes for the shows. Oh, so it's up to the neck, long-sleeved, and there's detailing on the it's front. It's like a that curtain is... of medallions, a like Roman medallion. Roman medallions. The drape on these is just gorgeous. Mm. And as we pour over the dresses, Joe and Helen regale me with tales of where these dresses would have been worn, their significance as culture artefacts and how they came to be a part of the Performing Arts Collection. And that's her signature label. Oh, as she wore on Broadway? Dame Judith used to do films as well, so yeah. this mm. could be from a film. I'm sure one day we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. But, and then there was that time we knew that the New York Library was having an exhibition of Dame Judith Anderson. Get on a plane right now. Get on now a plane, with literally, the with a dress. <laughs> You've got this priceless artefact. I know. Yeah. New York needs this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seeing Joe and Helen light up as they talk about the precious items in their care can only hint at the excitement these costumes bring to all who get to enjoy them. It's a wonderful example of the emotion and memories these items can carry, not only for those who see them in exhibits and displays, but for those who generously donate the items in the first place. so incredible. I mean, things like that, I guess, as you're saying, Joe, you built up all of these personal mm. relationships because there was no internet or mm. ways to do things. No, you're, you're no. on the ground with the artists and with the companies building up relationships. You must have so many stories where you have artefacts. But it's the same way you've built up relationships with companies and people now too. Yeah. Well, I think they, I think people know, like, and, like, and also I worked with Joe for 10 years, so... I was a shadow for the for the for the whole for the whole time. Yeah. Um, and people do. I do think when people are giving up some of their family treasures, yes, they do really need to feel like they trust the person that yeah. they're giving it to and trust the institution that's going to look after it. And they definitely trusted and loved Joe. And also, Joe was is encyclopedic. So some I wouldn't even <laughs> look at the catalogue. I would just go, Joe, who was in this? What year was it? And she, you could just see the calculations. <laughs> So great. I mean, this dress, these incredible priceless Valentina dresses are kept in a beautiful long black box wrapped in tissue paper, meticulously kept and, and set out beautifully. You must have special ways that you have to keep all of your artefacts. Clothes are one thing, but then you have paper and you have props and and everything's, I mean, everything needs a different, you know, sort of storage yeah. system as well. So that's a polyprop box with acid-free in between, you know, and then for the programs, they're in a waterproof uh, envelopes. Yes. You know, with waterproof pens. So, if, you know, any water was to get to them, whatever's inside. These, these boxes are all waterproof as well in a, you know, locked compactus in an air-conditioned room, you know, sort yeah. of standard museum storage. Standard museum storage that you know about 
that which is really good because I mean I mm. guess I guess when you started Joe. I didn't know. You wouldn't know how well, uh, to. We were a bit I like that fab, weren't we? Joe had all these wonderful ideas and I came from university going, well, that. Yeah, it's no, not the way you really. But Joe just goes, you know, we're good, we're good, we can do this. And I'd be born like, mm, oh, and that's not what they taught me at museum studies. No, but you'd find a way to do it. <laughs> no, yeah, but definitely. She was uh, the best thing that ever happened to the collection. Oh, I thought she was the best thing that ever happened to the collection. So <laughs> It sounds like together, an yeah. unstoppable team. We had the best time working together. Do you remember when Barry Humphreys used to come into the collection <laughs> when he was the artistic director? <laughs> On the cabaret, in the cabaret. He'd love looking at you, yes. having a look at the things. Well, he would, wouldn't you? I mean, if you've got so many pieces, that everything holds a story, everything's connected to yes. some marvellous piece of theatre history, it yeah. would be just an incredible thing to be able to have access to. And I guess if you're Barry Humphreys and you're a director of a festival, you would just <laughs> yeah. take the opportunity to have a look. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, do you have a favourite oh. artefact or a favourite? I have a hundred thousand favourites. Yes. <laughs> yeah. hundred thousand favourites. Yes, I'm trying to think. I think those costumes of Patricia Hackett. Patricia Hackett was a South Australian lawyer, but she was mad on theatre. Right. And she had a partner called uh, Mildred McCatter, one of the first anaesthetists here. Patricia, they bought this house on Hackney Road. Underneath, it had been a, a distillery, and she turned that into her own little theatre. Oh, wow. And she used to do her, her own plays there. She got these wonderful costumes. I never met Patricia Hackett. She died at about 55, quite young. Mm. Yeah, so we've got these wonderful costumes from uh, the Box of Rebellion. From her own performances, from her, from her own theatre. Yeah. Oh, that's so Which wonderful. terrific. Yeah. And a great story too, you know, someone comes and just creates their own I know. Own theatre. Own theater. Good yes, on her. Yes, she did. And they used to come up and you'd go downstairs, there'd be this lovely little theatre, then you'd come up and she'd have lights in the garden. Yeah. And they'd have, you know, drinks there or whatever. Yeah, it was a lovely little theatre. She did some amazing things there. Oh, that's so good. And Helen, have you got some favourites or something unique Oh, look, I think every time we do an exhibition, you find something else that you think is absolutely amazing. I think the Clara Serena, who... Oh, yes. So Clara Serena was an opera singer in the 1920s and she literally was on her way to absolute stardom overseas and then the war came uh -huh. in and it sort of, sort of dismantled her career. Anyway, she came back to Adelaide. She was still, you know, very famous in Adelaide but... But she never quite made the the big, mm. you know, the big names like Dame Nelly, even though she was sort of on her way to be like that, but the war sort of stopped that. And Joe, it was through a auctioneer that you bought her costume jewellery from Delilah. Oh wow. And it is beautiful. Mm. It's a headdress, breastplates. Yes. Wonderful. Belts, just absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I guess being around the theatre so much and, and obviously being here from the beginning of the collection, Joe, you would have met so many artists. Oh, I've met some f fascinating people, yeah. you know, artists, magicians, you know, ventriloquists, dancers. Yeah. Amazing. I've been so lucky. It's, it's been incredible. 
It must be hard to to think of a, a collection to put up for say public for the public to come and see because you've got so many things. How do you pick? Oh, so what we do is we sort of have a, a you know, and we, we've done this ever since with Joe. We'll pick a theme or a topic or that we want to explore and then put on the exhibition sort of surrounded by that. Like sometimes we get new collections in or there's an anniversary of something. Mm. So ADT is turning 60 in 2025, so we're working towards an exhibition for that of ADT costumes. So, yeah, it just all depends. On what uh, on the ideas what, are yeah, at the time, yeah. yeah. It seems like you would have a sort of never-ending option for themes and exhibitions that you can put on. Are they all done at Her Majesty's up the top there or you do them in the gallery? Is that a fixed exhibition up there? No, it, it does change over a couple of times a year. Okay. But it's a, it's a, it's a really different space. It sort of lends yeah. itself to flat art and not so much the big showcases, whereas down here in the Galleries 2 and 3 in Festival Theatre, we have very big showcases where we can put big costumes and bigger objects. So mm. depending on what the exhibition is, depending, you know, if it's better suited to the wall gallery or better suited to the festival theatre galleries. And it's a prestigious venue. I mean, yeah. both the Her Majesty's Theatre, of course, which has been mm. here for so many years, and then the Adelaide Festival Centre to exactly. have people perform in here that well, you know. Well, it's an amazing year for 2023 because it's the festival theatre's 50th birthday and it's Her Majesty's 110th birthday yes. in 2023. Yeah. So two amazing buildings that have a real significance for South Australian architecture and culture. Living between the stories that Joe and Helen tell and the artefacts they keep is a rich and vibrant picture of the people, places and precious moments that make up South Australia's fabulous festival scene. It's obvious particularly as we celebrate 50 years of the Adelaide Festival Centre, how important the role of the performing arts collection plays in our state's history. And anyone who makes their way to the rooftop level of Her Majesty's Theatre in Adelaide can see this slice of history for themselves in an ever-evolving and endlessly fascinating exhibit. It's something I recommend you do when you get the chance because, as Joe and Helen explain, there really is nothing else quite like looking back on all the shows and performances you've ever loved. It is so wonderful and fascinating. I just wanted to know how does the performing arts collection here at the Festival Centre compare to other historic collections that you've worked on before, Helen, or that you know are around Australia? Well, I think this is like it's one of the most varied. It really, really speaks to how amazing South Australians have been yeah. in Adelaide nationally and internationally mm. important and, you know, significant in performing arts. I think the, the great thing about this collection is it, it looks at amateur, it looks at professional, it looks at artists, it looks at creatives. And I think it's, you know, a story that, you know, every South Australian should be really, really proud of. And I think... I think everybody can sort of see themselves somewhere in this collection or have some connection to it. I don't know how many times, you know, one of our researchers will say, oh, my mum performed in 
this show in the Tivoli in the 1940s, can I come and see some of your programs? Yeah. It's it's one of our most sort of common requests for the collection. Yeah, yeah. I bet it is mm-hmm. because to have that artefact, to have a photo mm-hmm. or just to see the name in print in yes. a program is so important for people. Yeah, and to just know that, that it was actually what, you know, they really were in it at that time. Yeah, yeah people love it. I wanted to know what, what do you think the Performing Arts Collection in the Adelaide Festival Centre means to South Australians and to performers and to people who come along to watch the performances as well? Well, I think the Performing Arts Collection and the Performing Arts, well, the collection is probably going to become even more important to people. And for now, I think it, it, it's really important to get kids mm. interested in theatre, yeah. take them to the theatre, encourage them, you know, because I know the effect it had on me and I'm mm. sure it had on you as well, mm. Helen. You know, it lasts a lifetime mm-hmm. because the, the theatre has to be kept going. Yes. So for those reasons, I think the festival centre itself is going to become more important as will the collection. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. I think there's nothing like... It's almost like a whole community is built in just one 60-minute time slot or one hour and 20 minutes, however long the performance is. Whoever's there in that room is part of a community that lasts for that second and then will never be again. But you you remember it forever, just as you say, Jo. And that's what we hope that when you come and see the collection, that if you were at that show, suddenly you may get that spark of what it was like to be there when you were watching that show or when you were in the audience for that show. And I think that's why it's so important for us to keep the cultural objects of our performing arts. Mm. Yeah. Tan- you know, like it is as a tangible as a tangible thing, not as, you know, necessarily a digital scan. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Mm. And how things have changed, I guess. I mean, costumes are costumes. You, there's someone or a team of people who are very clever have to make them, but they all represent their time, their era, the type of material that's used, the way that it's produced and what it represented in the show. I love that. Who made it? Who wore it? Yes, exactly. You know, the interpretation of the director. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's so many different ways you can look at a costume and interpret it. Well, what does the public you know, what gets the most reaction and what's some of the more sort of startling, unusual or unique artefacts that you've had as part of collections here? I think Todd McKinney's, uh, I still call Australia home shirt that he wore in The Boy From Oz. I think it makes people cry, yeah. you know, because he sang that song, which, you know, as Peter Allen. Yes. And you all know how, you know, well, you can you know think of coming home from when you've been away. So I think that shirt is really, really iconic. Yeah. Oh, and we've also had some amazing objects on loan and we recently did an exhibition called Turn Up Your Radio and we really wanted to um, represent Sia in the exhibition. So we went and saw Sia's mum and said, you know, you know, what can we borrow? She was saying, well, Sia's very private about those things. I'm not yeah. sure, you know, I can share anything with you. Anyway, we did some research and found that Sia had very generously breathed into a mason jar and had it sealed and that her breath, oh, she signed the label on the outside saying, this is my breath, Sia, (laughs) and it was put to auction to raise money for the Adelaide Film Festival and we found the gentleman who purchased the breath in the jar and we put it on display by itself with just just a little light 
Um, and when we told Sia's mum, she said that is the best object to represent Sia. Oh, isn't that <gasps> wonderful? Because that's the amazing thing about the performing arts as well and to have a collection of performing arts mm. artefacts, you'll have anything from a costume to a breath in the jar or a ticket stub. Mm. I mean, there must be amazing things that you find within that collection and continue to collect. Yeah. What do you do now? Are you collecting everything or as much as you can, you just look far and wide? Um, not not so much. We're more careful now because I think we'd like to fill some gaps that we don't have. We're yeah. trying to look to the future to see what else we should be collecting, what different types of performances are being performed now so we make sure we get a really good cross-section of objects and also you have to think about who's going to be here in the future and what's going to how are they how are these objects that we're collecting now represent what we what we do now the same way what Joe collected represented what what was happening in the performing arts in South Australia then what would you like if someone was listening and they had something that they thought was of value what are the kind of things that you're interested in that people might have in their private Oh, look, uh, you know, somebody apparently has a Adelaide Festival Centre tea towel from 1973. Really? Yes. Now, see, <laughs> we would love that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's something that is such a common object but now isn't, but for the Festival Centre on its 50th birthday. So these were sort of souvenir tea towels that, you know, people were just given, you know, bought in the 70s. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm every op shop, that's what I look for. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'll keep, we'll keep an eye, eye out too. too. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep my eye Everybody out. We'll so end up with five of them by the end of the week. <laughs> you might. I guess if anyone's listening and they've got a 1973 Adelaide Festival Centre tea towel, <laughs> Bring it in. Write in, call in, email, Instagram, whatever, to to let us know because or any artifact, I guess, from nineteen seventy three. Or it is a fascinating collection. It's something that's so interesting to see. I'm so glad that there's constantly rolling yeah. collections that are on exhibition here at the Festival Centre and also obviously in Her Majesty's and in the Festival Theatre Foyer. It is such a fascinating look into mm. the history of the South Australian art scene but also in the way that theatre in general has evolved. Yeah, it's that, a never-ending story. And that it, it continues on. Oh, it's so wonderful. Thank you both so much for chatting with Thank me. You Thank you very much. much. Now I want to go and have a look. Have a look. <laughs> <laughs> As the 50-year celebrations for the Adelaide Festival Centre draw to a close, I can think of no better way to reflect on its history and impact than through the lens of the Performing Arts Collection with Joe and Helen to guide me through it. We're so lucky to have the story of our state's performing arts scene so perfectly preserved by such passionate individuals. I've no doubt that as time goes on, every rising star and legend of the stage will find its home in this collection for future generations to enjoy. And with that, my own exploration of the faces and stories of the Adelaide Festival Centre comes to an end for this year. I've had a fantastic time talking to the likes of Kate Sobrano. Performing here at the Festival Centre, I have been doing that since I was about 21. I've had an entree into this space in so many different versions of myself. 
Todd McKenney and Rhonda Birchmore. And it's so great to just walk down the corridors here and be reminded of the shows you've done. And, and how people look then and now. Like and us. who's not here. And it's quite sentimental. And that's unique. There's no other theatre in the country that does that. Eddie Perfect. I feel like I could be funnier as a writer when I'm writing for other characters. And I am thankful for the cabaret years. And it was like my university degree. Yeah. And now I just use it all for musical theatre. And plenty more. If you haven't yet, you can listen to the entire season of the first 50 podcast on the platform you're using now. Thank you so much for your company this year. I've loved sharing this experience with you and I've loved learning about this festival state and the Adelaide Festival Centre. If you enjoyed this audio experience, rate the podcast and share it with your friends and family so we can all enjoy the rich cultural experiences South Australia has to offer. In the meantime, if you need an entertainment fix, why not see a show? You can find out what fantastic performances are currently showing on the Adelaide Festival Centre website and social media. Search Adelaide Festival Centre or follow the links in the episode description. I'm Libby O'Donovan, and you're listening to The First 50 Podcast, produced by Solstice Podcasting and the Adelaide Festival Centre.